So my story starts in North Carolina, where I grew up. I was always a tough cookie, a scrapper. I was raised to be an independent, articulate, intelligent, outgoing woman. I was taught that I could do whatever I put my mind to. So after 22 years of going to school, growing up in North Carolina, going to school there, I drove 3,000 miles across the country to Los Angeles. Now, I had never been further west than Tennessee. I packed my little two-seater car, drove to Los Angeles, no family, no job, no friends, and I was determined to start my life there. Three weeks in, I got a great job. Three months later, I met a very charming, adventurous man who was 14 years older than me. Two years later, I was married to that man, and we had a dream that we were going to sail around the world. So we bought a 1978 Pacific Seacraft Mariah. And in 2007, two years um, after we met, and we, we were married, and we quit our jobs, and we sailed up the west coast of the United States and into Canada and Washington. So this is where my story starts. I'm standing in the bottom of this 1978 sailboat, and I have a one-way ticket back to North Carolina. Not what I had planned. This relationship was not a healthy relationship. Have you ever loved somebody and you realize that love just isn't enough? It's not going to fix all the other problems? Well, that was this. Out of anger and fear, this relationship had eroded my sense of self. <laughs> and I had left before, but never had I ever bought a ticket to the East Coast, 3,000 miles away, that involved my family and an adventure that I, I had never imagined. So what do you take when you live <clears throat> on a sailboat and you basically have nothing and you don't know when you're coming back? That was what I was thinking as I'm standing in the bottom of this boat. Now, we had put our stuff in storage for the winter, and so he went to the storage unit to get uh, something for me to carry my things in. You know, we had very little stuff. And he comes back, and he's standing in the cockpit, and he throws down a moldy yellow canvas sail bag. Now, anybody who's a sailor knows what this bag looks like. It's about this big and it's got a drawstring on it that comes about that long, and it basically looks like a duffel bag, but it's bright yellow. Hmm. And he says, take whatever you can carry because you never know when you're coming back, and he heads to the bar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I call my friend who lives in San Francisco. Now she was used to me leaving by now, and she was always been very supportive, and she said, you need to take whatever you think he might throw in the ocean that matters. <laughs> so at this point, everything that's important to me is on this boat. So I'm hugging my dogs in the boat. We had two German Shepherd dogs that we had brought with us. And I'm crying, and I'm thinking of what to pack, and I just start throwing things in this bag, and I would stuff it full, and I would hoist it over my shoulder and walk around in the boat and think, damn it, that's too heavy, I can carry that. 
take a sweater out or a picture frame out or another toiletry out. And then when I got it just to the point where it was extremely difficult to carry but manageable, I said, okay, I can do that. And then I also found a backpack which I stuffed full of shit and another bag which I stuffed full of things. And I thought, okay, I'm ready to go. Now, I, at this point, um, had been so conditioned not to spend any money that I wouldn't even buy myself a taxi to the airport. And now, Port Townsend, Washington, is on the other side of the Puget Sound from Seattle. So this meant I had to take two public buses, a ferry, another public bus, a shuttle from the airport to the hotel that I had reserved a room in that night. Because by the time I bought that ticket, I better get the hell out of there. So I'm boarding the bus in Port Townsend. It's 9 o'clock at night, and it starts to rain. And I make it to Poulsboro, Washington, where I stand in the rain and I board another bus. By the time I get to Bainbridge Island, I have carried these bags and I realize this is a big mistake. Looking back on it, I should have dumped one in the ocean. <laughs> but instead, I was determined to get this shit home with me. And so I'm walking onto the Bainbridge Island ferry like a hobo, dragging this bag. And everybody's looking at me, like, oh, you know, what's up with this girl? <laughs> in Port Townsend, there was this old uh, used bookshop. And right before I left, I swung by and picked up a copy of Eat, Pray, Love. Now, I had seen Oprah interview um, Elizabeth Gilbert, who's the author of the book, um, back in San Diego, and my husband had been there, and he snuffed at it, and this bullshit, da da da. Well, in the back of my mind, I thought, someday I'll read this book. So, <laughs> so I'm on the ferry, and I pull out my book, and I've got my iPod in, and I'm on, I'm on my way, right? My iPod dies. And I think, motherfucker, I just started. <laughs> and my iPod dies. So I turned to the woman behind me and I said, excuse me, do you know how to reset an iPod? She says, I don't. And I look down and I think, my gosh, that looks like me. She's drawing. It's a really bad picture of me. But still, it's me. And she captured brilliantly my hair hanging over the back of the seat and my reading the book. And I said to her, this is a really important day to me. In fact, this might be the most important day of my life. And could I have that picture? And she said, sure, and she gave it to me. And till this day, it still sits in my copy of Eat, Pray, Love in my house. So I make it to Seattle, and I don't know how to find the bus that I'm supposed to get to, because I've never been to Seattle. It's 10 o'clock at night, and it's raining, and I have a lot of shit on me. So I go into a McDonald's and I look at the public bus schedule and I realize I have to climb this massive hill. So where there's a will, there's a way, right? I hoist it over and I'm hiking up it and then a few steps in I realize this is not doable. So I swing the bag around and I've got it like a baby and I'm carrying it up this hill and I'm just... And then I pick it up and I carry it a few more feet. And people are going to nice dinners and they're walking by me. And I'm sorry, I grew up in a respectable family. This is not how I pictured myself. Well, I make it to the bus, which takes me to the airport. I take a shuttle to the hotel. The next morning, I go back to the airport. 
and I call my father from the payphone because at this time my husband and I were sharing a, a cell phone and of course he kept that. So I'm calling from a payphone in the terminal and I'm bawling and I'm saying I bought a one-way ticket home and my dad says okay I don't know what's going on but come home you can always come home and we'll take care of you. At this time, there was a song that was very popular, and it was by Coldplay, and it's called I Will Fix You. Mm -hmm. If you don't know the song, it's latent with, with lyrics about someone is going to take care of you, and someone is going to fix you. And I really thought that was going to happen for me as I was headed home. Three months in to my time on the East Coast, I realized, though, they aren't going to fix me. That's something I'm going to have to do for myself. So against most people's opinions, I decided to move to the Pacific Northwest because we had lived here on the boat, I loved it, and I wanted to be in Portland. But before I went to Portland, I went to Port Townsend to pick up my dog. Her name was Sasha, and she was his dog when we met. But during our relationship, she had taken to me, and she'd become sort of a protector. And she would sit on my feet during arguments, and she would pet me when I was sad and lift the tears from my face. And she would literally jump from the sailboat into the ocean and swim to shore when she had enough of the fighting. So she was really important to me. I picked her up. I brought her with me to Portland. I had rented a place sight unseen in Southeast. And when I got here, I realized, my God, all the shit that I took from the West Coast to the East Coast to the East Coast to the West Coast <laughs> does not fill a tiny one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> I didn't have a bed to sleep in, a spoon to eat with, a shower curtain when I took showers. And I didn't know anyone here. I had never been to Portland. Here I was again. Well, soon friends of friends came in and offered me a bed, offered me something to, to eat with. But before that happened, I literally was sleeping in my dog's bed. <laughs> yeah, and this wasn't a big bed. This was a, a, a pine round bed, you know, that I, we bought at Costco that had been molded on the boat for two years. This was not a good situation. This was also 2009 when the economy was really bad. And I had been two years out of work. Mind you, before I moved to Portland, I was making a six-figure salary. Now I couldn't find any work. So I got a job working at a winery in the Willamette Valley, working at a restaurant in Childvale. And I was making no money. It wasn't even worth the trip. Soon I decided I wanted to go back to school, and I started researching that. Eventually I um, enrolled in a yoga teacher certification course. I got a better job, and I worked as a receptionist where I was able to take care of myself. And then when I finished my yoga teacher training program, this was last year, I sold my wedding ring. Yeah. <laughs> and I took that money and I traded it for a trip to Thailand. 
by myself. I went for a month, and I did in Thailand what I should have done in my 20s. When I was off being a responsible young adult with a good career, marrying a man way too old for me, retiring early to go on a sailboat, <laughs> I should have been doing what I did in Thailand, which was drink too much, party to the wee hours in the morning, stumble home with people I met at the bar. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> I even fell asleep in the cab on the way to the airport, and the attendant at the airport said, ma'am, I think you're too drunk to board the plane. <laughs> <laughs> now you laugh, but you know in your 20s this is what you were doing. <laughs> I came back to Portland. I just finished up my first year of my master's degree. Yeah. And five months ago, my dog passed away. Aww. Now, my dog, um, she was a scrapper, just like me. She was a tough cookie. She was always showing me the way. We had that in common. So when she passed, not only did you know, it mark this huge loss in my life, but it marked a chapter of my life that closed. And at 31, I can tell you that the biggest life lessons that I've learned are number one, to be fierce in your relationships. Number two, to not abandon yourself. And number three, that the greatest love that you will ever have is the one that you have for yourself. Mm -hmm.